What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is going to be fun. Up we go. Into time and space. Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. And we are recording for the very first time, I think, early in the morning. We're doing it live. We're doing it. We're not doing it live. You're not going to know. So, yeah, we are. It's a little rainy, hazy here in North Carolina this morning. But and apparently that's exactly what it's going to be like in L.A. Hooray! Yes, we're about to catch our flight this afternoon. So we're not going to talk about Gallifrey. We're not going to talk about it because we're going to be talking about it for who knows how many episodes Ad afterwards. nauseum. Exactly. And so this week we're going to do our second in our uh, 13-part series covering uh, Richard D. Carrier's YouTube videos focusing on each doctor. Does he already have one for the 13th doctor? No, he's, he's, he, we're hoping by the time we finish. Right, okay. He will have, All right. And he, I don't know, he may just be doing classics. I'll have to, we'll have to figure out by that time. Ah, fun. <laughs> we're giving you pressure, Richard. So. <laughs> yes, the pressure is now on. We need you. But yes, this will be for his video. If you want to find it on YouTube, it is Doctor Who Review Part 3, The Patrick Troughton Error, of course, The Second Doctor. And I thought this was an interesting video because it seemed to cover a, a sort of different dynamics. You know, the first Doctor seemed to be just the first Doctor, but he seemed to kind of go into some different themes in this one. But yeah. but I think the biggest theme, of course, one we may take uh, take it for granted, but of course the big thing was... The second Doctor was the first regeneration. Yes. Yeah, and listening to him talk, and of course I've, I've considered this many times before, but the foresight in this, you know, he, uh, Richard Carrier talks about the fact that they had considered getting somebody who sort of looks like the first Doctor and then sort of threw that out the window and said, no, we're going to make a completely different Doctor. And the foresight involved in that of we can keep doing this is just absolutely breathtaking. To the British audience of that time, you know, I, I, before the age of Twitter and everything else, you know, what was the the fan reaction to like, but what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like changing the host of a talk show or something, right. which obviously these days is done all the time. But for an actual character that has clearly caught the hearts and minds of people. Um, it's like going to the theater to see Doctor Who, and it's like, for this production, Doctor Who will be playing <laughs> Yeah, Pay <laughs> tickets for this. Yes, and I assume if Twitter existed at that point, the hashtag would have been not my doctor. Yeah, where's my doctor? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Troughton's not my doctor. Yeah. But yeah, it, and again, we know it now, but right, how would he be the same? Would he be different? And... and and he's, he's pretty different. I pretty mean, not different. radically, but pretty different. I mean, yeah. he's not a, a touchy old man. And it's a, <clears throat> it's a such a leap of faith 
right for the people running the show of you know yes this crazy zany ridiculous idea is going to work off we pop and we watched the power of the daleks of course the animated version mm. um some time ago but i thought it was interesting and i mean i guess this is sort of as read but nevertheless good writing that you had Polly take the position like, oh, well, I guess that's the doctor. And Ben being like, no, no who is this crazy hashtag man? Hashtag not my doctor. Exactly. So <laughs> you then had them, you know, basically playing two sides of the audience. And, of course, by the end, Ben had accepted it. But it was sort of interesting to give that actual feel to the companions of how do we accept this? Yes. Yeah. And while I think the companions have always been... The audience, yeah, audience, the stand-in mm-hmm. for the audience. This really gives them a chance to explore that outside the plot line itself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And then as far as how Richard was describing the second Doctor, how what did we think of you know the actual Pat Troughton Doctor himself? The Charlie Chaplin-esque? Yes. Patrick Troughton was quite handsome. Yeah. I mean, some of the, the stills, you know, the black and white photos, the headshots um, that... We're in the YouTube video. Yeah, he's, he's certainly a dashing young man. Yeah, yeah. It's that hair. Mm-hmm. It's the hair that screws it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't... And again, this is such a, you know, okay, we've got this old, tetchy old man mm-hmm. playing the doctor. Let's make the next one kind of goofy. Yeah. You know I mean? It's just such a mind-blown kind of out-of-the-box thinking. And I think, you know, one thing that the video talks about is the, the second Doctor or the Pat Troughton legacy in Doctor Who for all the Doctors. And I think it's true because a controversial statement, but what Richard says in the video that in many ways the second Doctor is the biggest Doctor. Um, I forget what the exact words he used than the first Doctor because of how much it's been used by all the other Doctors. Yes. He specifically cites the seventh Doctor mm-hmm. and uh, the eleventh, Matt Smith. Yeah. Um, and we've spent a lot of time talking about Matt Smith's physicality. Although, when we watched the, um, we talked about, well, it was the... Four and seven. Yeah, 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 that was the seventh Doctor, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Again, that physicality um, that Patrick Troughton brings to it. Yeah, because I think with the second Doctor, the costume, you know, because the first Doctor sort of had your, I don't know, what the, is it Edwardian, Victorian, whatever. Whatever he's wearing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, you had the gentleman... And I always thought the second Doctor wardrobe, and I've said this before, is interesting because even though they changed the pants to sort of a little more, you know, plaid, clownish, whatever, he's actually wearing the same top as the first Doctor, but it's bigger because Pat is smaller than Bill Hartnell. And and, and I just, just, you know, it's one of those things like there's not, no Doctor wears the same uh, outfit except for, you know, the first regeneration. But like Patron is basically wearing Bill Hartner's, you know, top from, you know, from the waist up, the same, except for the maybe more messier bow tie. But that's, you know, almost Hartnell was wearing a nice bow tie. That was the, sort of the difference there. But yeah, but I think that is the whole setup for what we commonly <clears throat> think of as the doctor, the ridiculous looking person who you don't take seriously, you know, you know, when they, he shows up and tries to tell people what to do or whatever, but he then turns out, of course, to be the smartest guy in the room. Yes, yeah. So once you get past the whimsy and all that. So yeah. like And as you say, I mean, even thinking about Eccleston, that is something that continues through that, uh-oh, you know, I'm, I'm quite jolly. I'm just having a laugh, but I will cut you <laughs> if I have to. Yeah. Not shoot, 
but cut. Right. <laughs> Every planet has a south. <laughs> yeah, now one thing, uh, he didn't go over the companions per se in this video as much as hitting all of them. Apparently he's not a Zoe fan, by the way, he was talking. Um, but of course, the one he did talk about him the most is, of course, the most uh, one companion identified with the second Doctor, and that's, of course, Jamie. Just for the record, we're going to see this weekend, right? Uh, I don't know if, if Fraser Hines there. I cannot remember. I was thinking I think he, he might be. be he might be, yeah. He's, he's, he's usually good for a con. He shows up a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> up for a con. Yeah, exactly. So, any thoughts about Jamie? I know we've only seen him a little bit, or at least you've seen him a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I think I'd quite like to see more. He is the person that I always think of. And I loved the scene where he was talking about... Uh, it, Richard talks about the relationship between Patrick Troughton and Fraser Hines. Mm. And they'd worked together previously yeah. and uh, and just had nice chemistry mm-hmm. um, and then showed the scene where the who's the Victoria yes uh, and she's in this short skirt and she's concerned about it and the doctor's like look at Jamie's skirt <laughs> <laughs> no wait a minute oh oh yes doctor <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it's it is interesting you know what having watched tomb, the Richard and then in the, his video he sort of raised up the tomb of the Cybermen sort of the um, the second doctor story um of course, you know, it's always hard because there's so few remaining actual episodes of the second Doctor, most of the missing ones. And of course, you know, we're going to have one come out this year, The Terror of the Macro. I'm saying that wrong. But anyway, there's going to be a new animated second Doctor that will come out this year. So looking forward to that because we have Power of the Daleks already here in our room. But yeah, the Tim of the Cybermen, you know, <laughs> Richard is like, yeah, yeah there, there are some problematic areas. Yes. <laughs> but, but besides that, <laughs> it's a good Which again, I find cereal. very interesting considering how diverse the the writer's room is with who from the very beginning it's very interesting how they choose to portray that on stage right and i you know i'm not one to sling arrows you know america has its own problems but oh, God, but, but, yeah. but i think you know british had or britain's had the uh, uh, at least on public pop culture in the 60s and onwards it has a bit of a colonial vestiges of yes people of color yes representation yeah <laughs> now one thing that in this video, um, it's not a criticism, but he, he Richard does go off on a tangent about the Cybermen. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but he just sort of eased back into the first Doctor a little bit for this. But, so, you know, for those who, who want to talk about the Cybermen, there was some interesting stuff in there. Because they first appear, of course, in the Tenth Planet, the first Doctor's last hurrah. And then Tomb of the Cybermen and some other ones. So what do you think of sort of his Cybermen discussion about, you know, Doctor Who trying to create a uh, villain that would... You know, be as cool as the Daleks. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that they are second in the iconic Doctor Who monster list. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that reappear over and over and over again. And he talks about how they're potentially even scarier than the Daleks because it could happen to you. Right. Kind of thing. You know, the Cybermen are integrate the humans rather than exterminate the humans <laughs> that should be their saying they should be like integrate like that in that voice you should talk to we're not getting to have coffee with uh nicholas what's his briggs. name briggs yeah but uh maybe we can slip him a note and make that suggestion that when people just yell at him for things to say <laughs> it's just for an hour he's on the stage people just yeah. say <laughs> integrate um but yeah the idea that the cybermen don't just kill their prey like the daleks do mm. but actually t- 
take them and make them their own. Yeah, and the um, fear of technology has always mm. been in the culture. Yes. Uh, and then with sci-fi and, you know, which, you know, being a Star Trek fan, usually we portray, te- or Star Trek usually portrays technology as a good thing, um, but a lot of sci-fi can do it as something to worry about. And, you know, that's always an interesting discussion to have. And so the Cybermen have embraced the synthetic, much like the Borg. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but, but it's an interesting thought of where that leads and all that and what you lose and what you, you know. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, I think Doctor Who tends to find a balance. There's a whole lot of technology, i.e. the TARDIS, that's really good technology, Mm -hmm. or at least positive technology. So I think it should be tempered with, but sometimes it gets out of control, yo. Mm -hmm. And then one thing, because I think it seemed like Richard uh, enjoys the second Doctor on his video, but one thing he was sort of mourning about the second Doctor serials was that the first Doctor sort of established the more education, the historicals, and that the second Doctor tended to be a little bit more with the monsters. And, you know, did we lose anything Monster veering away from the, the education? I think we come, I think we slide back into it some, particularly with the third Doctor, mm-hmm. because his companion's a scientist mm-hmm. at the beginning. So... Um, and because he's stuck on Earth. So I think we go back to it. Mm-hmm. Although we don't get the historicals again, right. still. Um, and it'll take a little while to slide back into that. But yeah. not terribly. Like the fourth Doctor. That was actually the third Doctor. Sarah Jane's episode is what I th- if I'm trying to go inside your brain right now. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking about. Was it the third Doctor? Yeah, that was okay. with Sarah Jane's first episode. So they will slide back into that. And it's, I think. It's the one with the Sontaran. Yes. Taran. Yes. Yeah. Um, But I do think that this gives Doctor Who such a broad range of things to play with. And we see that specifically with the 13th Doctor, where it's very, very explicit. You either have historical Mm -hmm. or monster of the week. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly, the lines are very, very broadly drawn in the 13th Doctor with that. One, another thing, another theme that he examines that, because I, I, I mean, he doesn't say this, from, but I, I sort of took away from this video that, you know, while the first Doctor established things, the second Doctor established a lot of broader themes that have maintained or stayed with the program for over 50 plus years. Stick with the program, yo. Yep. And one was the base under siege story um, that the second Doctor sort of, yeah, that has been repeated, you know. On nauseam, some might say, throughout Doctor Who of, you know, the Doctor comes into a, a station or a base or whatever, then there's the bad guys and the bad guys are coming. Of course, that was the 10th planet with the first Doctor as well, but nevertheless, mm. he was sort of saying that really developed under the second Doctor, which has stayed with us, you know, ever since. Yes, it happens a lot. But that's sort of the premise of the Doctor as well, isn't it? The TARDIS takes him where he's needed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was one of the th- Things, there was a recent article in Doctor Who magazine where they did find some audio tracks from Doctor Who episodes. I can't remember which ones they were. So I think that's always the greatest thing about the second Doctor, Eric. I think another thing he, he mentioned is not only the character traits we talked about with the second Doctor repeating, but that a lot of the actors of the, who are the Doctors will look back and cite Pat Troughton as, you know, sort of their Doctor. Of course, it could, could just be an age thing, um, but that he sort of... St- is sort of seen as the doctor to a lot of people. That is interesting. You would think Hartnell, mm-hmm. and particularly people of that age, it would be Hartnell, the mm-hmm. first one, the very first one. Mm-hmm. But um, perhaps 
And maybe it's because Doctor Who is so much about change that makes Patrick more iconic. Maybe it's the approachability. You know, also true. You know, you, the yeah. first Doctor is sort of this larger, well, not larger than life, that's not the right phrase, but sort of this, you know, unapproachable figure. You know, he Curmudgeny is who he is. Grandpa. Yeah, but, you know, he, he's sort of still this great <clears throat> Doctor Who figure. But the second Doctor, you're like, oh, no, I could pile around with him. He's a little bit more of the zany uncle, isn't he? Yeah. He may or may not say inappropriate things at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> that's right, yeah. So if the first Doctor is everyone's gra- granddad, the second Doctor is everyone's fun uncle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Or uncle father. <laughs> Don't make it weird. <laughs> then, see, now we're going to have to put all the doctors into the family, family. dynamic. Yep. Yeah. I mean, because three is definitely the father. <laughs> oh, we'll save it for next month. Okay, next sorry. Month. Spoilers. <laughs> Hashtag. Ah. So, yeah, no, so we definitely encourage everyone to check out the video um, and then to look forward to the coming second doctor animation which we're going to be looking forward to and we'll certainly cover here when it comes out we have to wait now we have to wait till february before we can do anything else on the second doctor that's so, so next year is what you're saying yeah okay yeah i'm saying we're not going to be able it's to a talk short about month. yeah yeah sorry <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> well i know this is a short discussion of the second doctor but any final thoughts before we get into our library moment I don't think that we talked about the recorder enough. Okay. I mean, I don't have anything to say. I just feel like we need to talk about it more. You want to put the recorder on the record? Yeah, I want to put the... Don't be weird. (laughs) You're such a strange man. (laughs) Yeah. But also, such a bizarre... And a uh, recorder. Let's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just such a strange choice. Is he the first... I think he also mentioned that he's the first one with pockets. That actually come in handy? Does that sound right? I wonder. I don't know. For some reason, I can't think of a specific time, but he sort of seems that, again, this is such a trope now in Doctor Who, but he seems, but he seems like the first Doctor who would, you know, put stuff in a, you know, put his hand in his pocket and come out with something random. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's where I left that. (laughs) Richard III's hanky, you know, something. Yes. (laughs) Wonder where that fellow ended up. All right, well, with that, we're going to journey into the TARDIS library. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. Well, speaking of individual doctors and the change in their beginnings, we're going to be covering a Big Finish production, and it is the first appearance of a doctor, of this particular doctor, into Big Finish. Finally, because we thought we'd listened to the first (laughs) one already, and we hadn't done. We're going to be talking about Storm Warning, the eighth doctor, uh, Big Finish Adventure, which premiered January 2001. And darling, would you like to read the synopsis? Yes, please. October 1930. His Majesty's airship, the R-101, sets off on her maiden voyage to the farthest flung reaches of the British Empire, carrying the brightest lights of the Imperial Fleet. 
carrying the hopes and dreams of a breathless nation. Not to mention a ruthless spy with a top-secret mission, a mysterious passenger who appears nowhere on the crew list, a would-be adventuress destined for the Singapore Hilton, and a time lord from the planet Gallifrey. There's a storm coming. There's something unspeakable, something with wings crawling across the stern, thousands of feet high in the blackening sky. The crew of the R-101 brace themselves. When the storm breaks, their lives won't be all that's at stake. The future of the galaxy will be hanging by a thread. I feel like we do background music. We can do that. I know, right? I'm going to ask you to put that in and post. Right. Post haste. Post haste. Well, no, it just—I mean, it doesn't have to be quick. It just needs to be done. Right. So, what did you think of the Eighth Doctor's premiere? Yeah. Um, so you know, just a little bit of whatever. So you know, the movie was '96, and this came out 2001. So this would have been his five years yeah, later. Yeah, you know, reclaiming the role, and you know, I've been interested in how they sort of sell, sold it, sold it to you know, hey, Paul, we'd like you to. Try again, maybe? You know, see what we can do here? But we don't want your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it. A little bit historical, a little bit monster of the week. Yeah, though in some like. ways, I mean, this is just my ignorance. Like, I, I haven't wikied this thing yet. You know, it's a real event, but I don't, just them saying airship, I'm like, this isn't a real thing, is it? Right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I've, I've just wikied it because I was, because when we were listening to it, I was like, I don't know this story. I right. need to know if it's true. And it totally is. Yes. So, Presumably not the uh, flying saucer bit, but. No. Uh, completed in 1929. First flight, 14th of October, 1929. Crashed in France during its maiden overseas voyage on the 5th of October, 1930, killing 48 of the 54 people on board. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, I wondered about that and, like, how many of the characters in it... I think they're all made up, I think. ...were actual, yeah. Did they have a Lord Thomas Thompson? I think it might be all made up. Okay. Yeah. Because he was real. Oh, okay. But, carry on. Um, so, yeah, this happened seven years before the Hindenburg. Right, which I make reference to. Yes, yeah. But of course, that, you know, when you think about dirigibles. Dirigibles, yeah. And they're, you know, the Hindenburg is what you think of. Right. Um, or at least we do. So that's why we think about it, because even though it was a German ship, it blew up on our shores. Yeah, we tend to remember that stuff. Okay. Yeah, apparently. So, but what do you think of the Eighth Doctor, you know? He definitely seems to know the role. I mean, again, because I'm trying to think, he's just coming from, I mean, well, it's not just, it's been several years, and so it's, it's sort of weird to have to inhabit a role that maybe people didn't be over the moon about, and and to have that character who, you know, there wasn't a lot there in the movie, and that's not, I mean, that's it was a regeneration, I'm not critiquing that, we've already talked about the movie before in another episode. But... Well, and also, it's and, and we've talked about this before, it was such an American movie, mm-hmm. and so now... So even though obviously the eighth doctor is British, Paul McGann is British, having the first experience of the doctor be in a very American setting, now he gets to just be regular canon doctor, Mm -hmm. which I think must have been intriguing at the very least. I'd be very interested, and now I want to sit down and talk with Paul McGann. (laughs) Um, What made him say yes? Right. What made him think, okay, yeah. I mean, is it just, hey, I'm, you know, paychecks, paycheck, paycheck? Mm-hmm. Or was it... Because I could almost see, and again, this is coming from 
my perspective, that if it was after New Who, it'd be like, hey, Paul, let's come back, you know, reclaim the character. And you could see that. But this is, mm. you know, still in the wilderness. You know, Doctor Who isn't coming back because you killed it, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, not really, of course. I'm <clears throat> no, not at all. But, but you know, hey, you want to come back? And, and so it would be, I don't know, intimidating, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. But, of course, there's something, and, again, we've talked about this before, there's something about Doctor Who. The characters do keep mm-hmm. coming back, you know. Not just for the show itself, although they do every time, you know, apparently every time they need Madame Vastra, the actress Mm -hmm. is available, you know, or they obviously would work around everybody's schedule. Mm -hmm. But everybody's like, yeah, I want to go back when the doctor gets ready to regenerate. So often they bring back old companions. Yeah, I'm there. Let's do this. Um, So there's something about the 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 history of the show maybe or the people i sort of tend to think it's the people who are running the running the ship and so i you know we have to remember though i guess i was just thinking about this that doctor who movie was actually popular in britain well that just makes me sad right but carry on yeah well i'm sure they just wanted to watch doctor who so you know whereas here in yeah. america it was like what is this strange thing yeah. on my tv yeah I'm not watching this fox. Except for Whoopi Goldberg, who was like, this could be me! <laughs> but anyway, any, any, so what did you think about the new companion? Charlie. Charlie. Pollard. Yeah, she's an interesting one, isn't she? I wish she'd quit calling herself an adventuress, but... <laughs> <laughs> Edwardian adventuress. Yes. But yeah, brave. I sort of feel like both of... Are there just two? Do we just have two companions for the Eighth Doctor in the... I, I mean, we've so. just me. yeah, so. we've just met Charlie and what's her name, right? Lucy. Yes, but both of them are quite. I'd, I'd hate to word, use the word plucky because that feels really <laughs> condescending. But you know, neither of them are shrinking violets right. in any way, shape, or form, and uh, and that of course is always nice to see. And this story kept my attention for some reason, and I guess just because it's early days. I, I don't know how long it was, but it does sort of maintain the classic who of its four parts you know cliffhanger at each end of the part except for the fourth one you pretty much know what happens then but anyway but so but that was an interesting construction to kind of maintain that classic era which again that always makes the eighth doctor like what do you call him classic or new or he's always that in-between figure of doctor the bridge we call him the bridge no that's the brigadier it's different oh right sorry no i misspoke yes and i always mispronounce that it's weird exactly so but i did like the overall story it was it was interesting how characters did turn out differently the lord tamlin or whatever his name was like he was sort of put off as him as a character but then he kind of stepped up later as things went on the aliens were an interesting thought experiment of for i mean from a writing perspective Mm. yeah i could go either way whether it's successful or not but I, i get that they tried and it was interestingly enough what they were going for yes yeah, and uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was good. Yes, I enjoyed I, it. I enjoyed it. I always wonder, and I guess this is true for any of the uh, serials, whether they write them all in one fell swoop, mm-hmm. or if they. And the reason I'm curious as you say this one ends on a cliffhanger every time so it's like chapters of a book almost Mm -hmm. chapters of a james patterson book really because his always end on cliffhangers but anyway but then the ones that lull in the like the third episode the second or third episode Mm -hmm. is always a lull then i wonder if they've written that almost as a film right a two-hour extravaganza that just doesn't 
have, you know, it's, it has that lull every time. So I'm always interested in how they're written and what happens. And let's ask people this week. There we go. Well, that'll be our job. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, definitely encourage everyone to give it a listen. We are, we're going to be, you know, not in one fell swoop, obviously. We're going to try to go in chronological order with the Eighth Doctor now and try to get through his adventures just as we're trying to go through the Third Doctor. And so... It's nice to actually listen and or watch a doctor for the first time and really in in both of our ways and try to see if there's any kind of, you know, thread or anything of Mm -hmm. of the stories or whether it's just purely episodic uh, enjoyment. Yep. Yeah. Overarching themes. Do you think the silence makes an appearance? Well, if they they did, we wouldn't remember. That's true. They may have done in this one. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, next episode, we'll be talking, of course, about our travels on, at Gallifrey One, and so look forward to that. may have some special guests in person. That's always the fun part about conventions, when you can podcast in person with people instead of over the interwebs. And so, we look forward to that. So, until next episode, darling, where can people um, follow you to see your costume updates <laughs> uh you can follow me at one phoenix theater and folks can follow me at nc public servant so hashtag galley one at us uh, this week and we'll please be, we'll probably be following that and until next week continue to watch read and listen to the doctor's adventures throughout time, time and, and space, space. <laughs>no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.